Welcome to the Faith Christian Fellowship of Montego Bay's podcast. We are reaching for His glory through building and teaching. I hope you are encouraged and edified by this message. The doctrine of eschatology. Now, first of all, let me say that some Bible scholars are hesitant about accepting the doctrine of eschatology. They don't have any problems with the the contents in the doctrine of eschatology, but there are some that believe that the contents that are in the doctrine of eschatology are found across other Bible doctrines. So they are hesitant in that regard. So we're not in any dispute about the contents. It is about whether there are 12 or 11 Bible doctrines. But just like many other things, scholars, theologians argue about some some things, some that are not really so necessary too. So for example, there's some people that say that the Red Sea was just about a foot and a half in that time of the year when the Israelites went across the Red Sea. So it wasn't really any miracle. You know, they tried to disprove what God did. But then they can't explain how so many Egyptians would have drowned in a, a foot of water. So I'm just telling you the thoughts that are out there so that you can know how to discuss them whenever that time comes around, or if you are interested in those kinds of discussions. Eschatology is a term speaking to a study of the end times. And it is something that we need to study because I believe there are a lot of misunderstandings about the end times. And it is something that we have to spend some time looking at carefully. Many times when people read the scriptures like Matthew 24 and Revelations, they really don't come away with great understanding because it takes some basis to understanding those texts. The end time requires some real extended time in study. The end time is a real situation and should never be ignored. In fact, if we ignore the end time, we would be really ignoring it at our own peril. You know, there was a beginning, and so it is not inconceivable that there will be an end. But please understand that when we speak of an end here, We're not speaking to an end of existence. We're really speaking to the end of time or the end of the age. In Matthew, the disciples asked Jesus, show us, tell us what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age, right? So remember, there is that aspect of eternity in man that make sure that man exists forever. Man don't really come to an end. We might transition from this life, which 
could be at the end of the age. Some people will die, transition before the end of the age, but there are some people who will transition at the end of the age. Now, remember also that time is temporary. And at the end of time, as I said before, we will transition into eternity again. And I say again, because when God created man, he created man to live in it. Adam initially lived in eternity. Sin caused time, which is temporary. And so when we talk about time and eternity, we're talking about temporary versus everlasting. And that is why I make the point I've made a point before to say that I believe that Adam was the longest liver on earth. Although the Bible says that Methuselah lived 969 years and Adam lived, as it relates to years, Adam lived 930. But Adam lived in eternity before he lived in time. And we don't know how long he lived in eternity. It's just my view on that. But the end time or the end of the age, I want to make this point very clear. The end time or the end of the age will be a series of events, not a one event. And I think that's one of the, the thoughts that many Christians have, that the rapture, represents the end of the age, but the rapture is only one of the events in the series of the end time. And the rapture by itself does not cap the end of the age. It is just an event in the end time. In fact, there are four main events comprising the end time. And the first one is what we call the rapture. The second one is the tribulation. The third one is Armageddon. Geddon. And uh, number four is the millennium. Right? So the four events that make up the series of events in the end time, to cap the end time, are one, the rapture, two, the tribulation, three, Armageddon, and four, the millennium. And tonight, we're going to take a look at the rapture and the tribulation. You know, when I just got born again, I heard so much preaching on the rapture. I honestly thought it would have happened by now. But this is one of the interesting things that we should not balance in the preaching of the gospel because sometimes people can only preach the rapture and when other things are supposed to be working in their lives it doesn't work so the doctrine of eschatology is not the only doctrine that there is to preach and when you only preach that you leave people in a place of imbalance so it is important that we study all the doctrines 
so that we can have the kind of balance that God intended for us to have. So while we anticipate our life in eternity and being with God, we live in the reality of now and those doctrines that really apply to now. As we deal with the doctrine of eschatology, covering the end time events, it is important to cover some bases here. You know, there are some terminologies that we need to be clear on to avoid confusion. Example, terms like the day of the Lord and the last days. The term, the day of the Lord, as seen in scriptures many a times, is really speaking to the time of Jesus or the time when Jesus was on earth. And in some cases speaks to the end time when Jesus will return. So the day of the Lord is always speaking about the time of Jesus. It is not really speaking to the day of judgment, the day of the Lord in, in its fullness. The last days speaks to the time of the Holy Spirit. Many times you might see that term, the last day in the Bible or last days, and you kind of confuse it with the end of the age, the eschatology doctrine. The last days speaks to the time of the Holy Spirit. So for example, in Acts chapter one, the Bible says, in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. It is talking about the time of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit being administered or uh, coming upon mankind. Because remember, they did not know about that in the time of the old covenant. You will read a scripture in 2 Timothy that says, in the last days, perilous time shall come. But that is not really dealing with the eschatology end of the time period. It is really speaking to the time that the Holy Spirit is the dominant person of the Godhead on earth. The day of the Lord speaks to the time when Jesus is the dominant person of the Godhead on earth. So I want to put that out there so that, you know, we, we understand those terms when we read them and don't confuse them with the, the time of the tribulation because they're two, they're talking about two different time periods. The rapture, the word rapture is one of those words that is not found in the Bible. I was actually shocked when I first learned that the word rapture is not in the Bible because I'd heard the preaching on the rapture so much that I couldn't believe that the actual word wasn't in the Bible. But it is one of those words that is not found in the Bible, like missionary. You know, the word missionary is not found in the Bible. But the principles and practice of what is called rapture is there in Scripture. Or rapture speaks to the ascension of the saints to meet the Lord in the air. The rapture as in the, the rapture in the end time speaks to 
the ascension of the saints to meet the Lord in the air. But like resurrection, rapture has happened before in the scripture, but never on, never on a mass level like how it will happen in the end time. We have had examples of rapture in the scripture before, but we have never had any example of it happening on a mass level. Though the word rapture, as I said, is not found in the scripture, there are examples in both Old and New Testament. And in fact, let me, let's take a minute to read a couple of those examples. Second Kings chapter two, we're going to read Second Kings chapter two, verse nine to 11. And we're gonna talk about how Elijah, we're going to read there, or Elijah was, was raptured. And then we'll read from Acts and show how it happened with Jesus also. And it came to pass when they were gone over talking about Elijah and Elisha, that Elijah said unto Elisha, ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, he, Elijah said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I'm taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. Verse 11, and it came to pass as they still went on and talked that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder, parted Elijah and Elisha, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. That's right. Was caught up. Elijah went up by a whirlwind. Acts chapter one. We're going to read from verse eight down to verse 11. All right. It says, but he shall receive power after the Holy Spirit is come upon thee. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria and unto the utmost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. That's talking about Jesus. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall also come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So we see there where Jesus was raptured. So the point I'm making is that rapture is not something that has never happened in the history of man before. It has just never happened 
on a mass level. And certainly none of us here has experienced rapture, rapture before. So it will be an interesting development. Let me also make the point that the rapture and the second coming of Christ are two separate events. Okay, I'll say that again. The rapture and the second coming of Christ are two separate events. In the rapture, the saints meet the Lord in the air, while in the second coming of Christ, the saints and the Lord will return to the earth in what we call, uh, John called the New Jerusalem. So there are two separate events. And we'll, we'll read a scripture in, in, in a moment about the rapture showing that Jesus don't come to the earth in the rapture, okay? And as I said before, the rapture we're speaking of here will mark the beginning of the series of events of the end time spoken of in Matthew chapter 24, also in Revelation. The rapture of the church will mark the beginning of the series of events. Remember, in the series, you have the rapture, you have Armageddon, you have the millennium, and the tribulation, okay? Let's read First Thessalonians, Thessalonians 4 verses 16 and 17, as we look at the rapture of the church, what it entails. First uh, Thessalonians 4 verse 16 and 17. It says, for the Lord himself, so an angel is not substituting for him here, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, from heaven. So that is talking about the, the third heaven, the immediate presence of God, that place we call the high heaven. The Lord descends from the high heavens with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. So that speaks to the mass resurrection. Verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, with them speaking about those who would have taken part in that first resurrection that we shared last week, that the second death has no power over. So in other words, what we're saying here is that, the, just before we read on, that the mass resurrection will take place almost simultaneously with, 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 with the rapture of the church. The mass resurrection takes place and uh, those who are alive and remain would be transitioned from mortal to immortality. It will happen in such a flash and so well coordinated that those from the mass resurrection and those who are alive and remain would be caught up together. And it says 
in verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them of the mass resurrection to meet the Lord in the air. All right, so notice where we meet the Lord in the air. He doesn't come to earth in the rapture. We meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So as I said before, the rapture and the second coming of Christ are two separate events. What is described in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16 and 17 is not the second coming of Christ. It is the rapture. And in that particular event, we meet the Lord in the air. I must point out that it is the saints that will be involved in that mass resurrection in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16 and 17. So let's read from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, another scripture that speaks to this. You know, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And it is important that we have more than one scriptures to back up these things. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. And I must point out that it is the same writer that wrote 1 Thessalonians 4, or 1 Thessalonians, that also wrote 1 Corinthians 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep but we shall be changed. And in verse 52, it says, in a moment, so that's what I'm telling you, this transition from mortal to immortality will be in a moment. In fact, it says in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that's how fast that transition will take place. In fact, it will be a type of death but it will be so fast in the twinkling of an eye that you, you wouldn't even realize what happened. That's the power of our God. So in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound. Remember, it talks about in First Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, the Lord descending from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel. It's saying basically the same thing here. And it says, the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Not temporarily, but we'll put on our eternal suit. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So immortality meaning that, we, that suit that you won't be, that you won't die again. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a victory it will be. Praise God. We have a lively hope in Jesus Christ. We are not like them that don't have hope. We have a lively hope 
and the rapture is very much a reality and will happen one of these days. Even if you don't see it in your lifetime, it will happen. If you don't see it in your lifetime on earth, then that means you will be a part of the mass resurrection. So either you will be a part of the mass resurrection or you will be a part of the, um, the, the, the transition from mortal to immortality in the twinkling of an eye, if you're a believer. So we believe God for the best and trust the Lord that you continue to walk with him in righteousness so that you will have part in the first resurrection. Let's move on to the tribulation. The time of the tribulation is a seven year period of time, which has its roots in terms of information in the 70 prophetic, prophetic weeks spoken of in the book of Daniel in chapter nine. Daniel talks about the 70 prophetic weeks and things that will happen. And the time of the tribulation has its, its roots in that. It is an extraordinary time of intense difficulty that no human being should want to experience. In fact, the scripture teaches that except those days be shortened, no flesh shall be saved. That's how intense that time of tribulation is. Now, like resurrection and rapture, Tribulation is not new to man. It is something that mankind has experienced since the fall of Adam. However, no man has ever experienced the level of tribulation that is referred to in the, in the tribulation period of the end time series of events. That's a different level of tribulation. Now, many scholars refer to the first three and a half years, the first half of the, the time of tribulation. Let me say that again. Many scholars refers to the first half, the first three and a half years period of this time that we're talking about as simply the tribulation. And then they refer to the next three and a half years or the second half of it as the great tribulation. So there's some people who have it in two segments, the tribulation and the great tribulation, because this is a time period that the, the tribulation, the magnitude of it will intensify as it goes on. And certainly the second, half of that tribulation period will greatly intensify. And some scholars refer to that, that second part as the great tribulation and refer to the first half as the tribulation. But what I'm saying, it's seven years of that kind of activity. And whether it's 
just the tribulation or the great tribulation. You just don't want to be in that mix any at all. I want to take some time and read through Matthew chapter 24 to just bring us up to speed with some of what we're talking about here in terms of the great tribulation. We're going to read quite a number from St. Matthew chapter 24. Uh, let me say that this chapter should not be seen as just the regular happenings of life here on earth in this time that we live. It is describing a different period than we live in today. In fact, we'll see it in the scripture. It says, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, see ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Now watch this. The, 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 the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming? Not, not the rapture. We're talking about the second coming here. What shall be the sign of thy coming? And look at this, of the end of the world. Right, so they are asking for signs as it relates to the end of the world when the age is going to close out. And Jesus answered and said to them, Now he's giving them answers to the question they asked. And the question is, What shall be the signs of your coming, your second coming, and of the end of the age? And Jesus said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For Many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And he shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that he be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end, the end of the age is not yet. Now, I'm not saying to you that you might not see glimpses of this in this time that we live in. You might not see wars and false prophets rising and all of that, but you are looking at a different period of time here. Now, it says, verse seven, for nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. And look at verse eight, it says, all these are the beginning of sorrows, which speaks to the intensity growing over the period of time. This is just the beginning. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then many shall be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall walk school. And he that endureth, he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Now, that's a very interesting scripture because 
for example, the Jehovah's Witness don't understand that scripture and, and, and many Christians, because this scripture is quoted in the context of the great tribulation. So it is saying, he that endureth until the end. The end of what? The end of the great tribulation. He that endureth until the end of that tribulation in the end time series of events shall be saved. In other words, salvation will still take place in the time of the great tribulation. It is possible that people can be saved, but it is going to be that much more difficult. You certainly would want to be saved in this time, not to wait on, until that time. So in that tribulation period, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the world, in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. The end of what? We're talking about the tribulation here. So again, of course, the scripture is applicable today that the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness, but it was quoted here in the context of the great tribulation. So when he therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand ye in the holy place. Remember we said earlier that the root of the tribulation or the, the, the root of this tribulation period in terms of information is in Daniel speaking about the 70 prophetic weeks. And here is Matthew confirming that. It says, then let him who, which is in Judea, flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the house top not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe to them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation. Remember we read earlier that it says what happened earlier was the beginning of sorrows. And we talk about the two phases of the, the that seven-year period where it would be the tribulation, where those theologians and scholars took that from. So then it says, then there shall be great tribulation. That, so this is kicking, like kicking into the second half of that seven-year period. So the first half, as we said, many scholars see it as tribulation. Now Matthew is saying, then there shall be great tribulation. So this is the tribulation intensifying over the seven-year period. There shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened there should be no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shorn. Now, who is the elect? Again, you will hear about the 144,000 Jews that will be saved in that time period. It will be 12,000 from each tribe. And you know that there are 12 tribes. So the 12,000 from each tribe amounts to 144,000. So these are elect that God 
elect to go through this time of tribulation. But those are not the only people that will be saved during the, the, the time of the great tribulation. Or those are not the only people that will go to heaven. But certainly there is this group that God will protect, watch over, guide, so to speak, during the time of the tribulation. And then if any man shall say unto you, lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not, or there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders in so much that if it were possible, they would, they shall this, uh, deceive the very elect. You can read the rest of this portion of Matthew when you have the time. Read it in context, but it is as described in Revelation. And Matthew there was describing that period as the disciples asked Jesus, tell us what are the signs of your coming and of the end of the age? And he responded. So as I said, it will be an extraordinary time of intense difficulty. Now, I must point out that in verse 14, where it says, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness, then shall be the end come. The purpose of the preaching of the gospel there in those days is for salvation. And that is further evidence that other people outside of the elect will be saved. That is why the gospel will be preached during that time. I want to read one more scripture out of Revelation chapter 7, verse 14. Could you just rock it back from about verse 12, please? All right, saying that the angels and all of them are there. All the angels stood round about the, the throne and the elders and the four beasts fell down before the throne of God saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever, amen. And one of the elders answered saying unto me, what are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which come, uh, sorry, which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So, we're seeing here in Revelation where those who came out of the great tribulation are actually recognized at a point in time, which is further evidence that there are people who will come through the great tribulation. Again, while it is possible to be saved, to have salvation during the great tribulation, you don't want to wait until that time. 
if some people can't even take people criticizing them, why would you want to wait until that time when, you know, that would not even be an issue, criticism. It would be much more intense, what we call the great tribulation. You are not serving the Lord without purpose. You're not serving the Lord to bring everything to a close, a close when you die. No, there is life after death. It's a lie that death is the end of life. Hebrews 9.27 said it is appointed unto man once to die, but after death comes the judgment. And I encourage you tonight to hold on to your salvation. Serve the Lord like it is the last day of serving him. Keep it real every day, knowing that we settle eternity here in time. We thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you and have a great day. You may contact us by email at fcfmontegobay at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at fcfmobay and on Facebook at fcfmontegobay.